and welcome once again to Poker in the Airs. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Dynamic Harmlessness Day, Joe. No idea what it is. Couldn't be bothered to read about it. Like the sound of it, stuck it in the running order. I wonder if Dynamic Harmlessness is some sort of... Nope, I have no idea. I don't know either. Tell us in the Discord. Coming up on today's show, it's our EPT London wrap-up. First time back to London in a long time, and it was a great event. I got a couple of stories. I don't know if James got anything for us, but the poker was good. That's the most important thing. What the audience got to see on their screens, I think, was high class. Lots of good characters, some interesting hands. In fact, uh, yeah, some. I actually maybe want to discuss a hand today with our guest. Get into that in a second. Uh, as far as characters are concerned, though, Ian Hamilton, Jack Sinclair, Roman Rabbits, and obviously, who can forget the biggest character of them all, Romanian filmmaker and producer of hashtag Dog Poop Girl, Dan Kishu. Well, we didn't forget him, and we're having him on the show today. And we can get him to verify that we didn't make this whole thing up. There are still people in the audience, despite the fact that it's on IMDb, despite the fact that I tweeted a picture of the film's poster, who think this is another When the Dust Settles, that we are trolling our audience and this film can't possibly exist. We are going to get to the bottom of hashtag dog poop girl. All of Dan's other work, his history as a potential stand-up comedian discoverer in Romania and his poker history. We're going to talk to him about all of that coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, this week's super fan is, is uh, Tim Tim Ass, Tim Assey? Assey. What a- and he is going to be challenging you on what we do in the shadows, the movie, not the TV series. What an unfortunate name. My goodness. I mean, you just got to grow up a tough, tough kid. With a name like that, uh, James, I see that you're uh, you're. Is this the first time you've ever not been in the Poker Stars arena in like the last three years? Are you are you living my life? Where are you? What's happening? Normally, though, when you're on the road, you get up to exciting stuff. You're playing poker tournaments, so you're doing stand-up gigs across America. I am in Malta on poker stars business and i'm not saying that because it's confidential it's just not very interesting and not worthy of discussion on a podcast but no straight after ept london was done i went to helsinki on the saturday morning i flew back from helsinki tuesday afternoon and first thing on wednesday morning after 10 hours at home i got on a plane to malta yes so i'm on the road again will not be back in the arena until Friday uh, in time for our WCOOP coverage. We'll talk more about that later on. All right. Very good. More coming up about that. I am. Um, so are you going to go to any of our old Malta haunts? While you're, have you been back there since? I have not been here since the EPT last visited, which would have been in the autumn of 2016. I've already spotted Badass Burgers, where we went, the steak place where we went. I can see the venue from my hotel balcony. Uh, but no, I think I'll be commuting between here and the Pokestars office and won't have much time to do anything else. Did you have time to watch anything on your uh, on your travels, either to or from Finland? Yeah. Or- I've I've um I've been catching up with Andor, but also I've started watching the Amazon Prime series, The Peripheral, based on the William Gibson novel. Yeah, uh, which has potential. Only three episodes available at the moment. It's one of those where new episodes are dropping every Friday. Yeah, but so far I like what I see. Um, clearly involves Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, who are the showrunners on Westworld. They're exec producers on this series as well, and there are some shared themes. 
Um, but I, again, not going to count chickens, but I, I, I like where it's going. I was thinking of starting that, so I probably will now that I know you have. We can at least have something we can talk about together. I <laughs> So you know the flight from from London to L.A. is anywhere between like 10 and a half to 12 hours, sort of depending on the route they take and tailwinds and all that. Absolutely, yeah. I was so tired and was trying to rest up so that I could go out when I got home to L.A. that I only watched one movie on the plane. It took me... Ten and a half hours to watch Jurassic Park Dominion. Oh, why would you bother? <laughs> By the way, after we had that conversation about the previous one, what's it called? Fallen Kingdom? Yeah. And uh, it was on TV randomly, like proper TV. Like with and commercials. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, yeah. well, you know, as it's on, I'll... Jesus Christ, it's bad. I mean, like, really bad. I can't even... I Again, you guys know I don't like talking shit about movies anymore. Like, hey, maybe one day, like, I meet Chris Pratt, right? Maybe one day, like, I end up becoming... It happens. It's not out of the realm, right? This movie is so bad. I can't even believe... Like, you can see that that Sam Neill, like, is embarrassed to be in it. Like, it's like... It's also, like, five different movies. Like, the characters don't even come together until, like, the last 20 minutes of the movie. It is like a B movie. It's, like, intentionally bad. Do you remember all those people who said, oh, they should have let Colin Trevorrow do The Rise of Skywalker. It would have been a much better film. And then I look at these Jurassic Park films. I'm like, you sure? It's hard. You know, it's hard. You never know, right? You never know, like, how much of his actual words made yeah. it to the screen yeah. and all that. So it's hard to blame any one person. But it was it was really, really bad. To the, It was one of those things. You know, when you smell something in the fridge and it smells terrible and you're like, somebody else has got to smell this. That's kind of how I feel about Jurassic Park Dominion. Um, yeah. So the weird thing is, the other day you asked me, have you seen the trailer for Poker Face? I'm like, classic Joe Stapleton. He's forgotten that we've already had this conversation. We've already discussed it on the podcast. And then I realized you weren't actually referring to the Russell Crowe movie. Right. There's another Poker Face trailer that just came out. In this one, no offense to Russell Crowe. The movie looks kind of fun or whatever. This overall looks more interesting to me. Because this is absurd, the fact that there is both a movie called Poker Face coming out next year and a TV series called yes. Poker Face coming out next year. Um, exactly the same title. Two words. Not even like one's one word and one's two words. Yeah. But yeah, and there's a lot of talent involved in this. Yes. Yeah, so this is Ryan Johnson, who, you know, you and I are big fans of, uh, you know, for better or for worse, that the, the, uh, the Star Wars movie he did was kind of a polarizing thing. I think you really, really liked it. I wasn't the biggest fan of that one, but like Brick is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Looper, for for better or for worse, is a really interesting concept. Ryan Johnson, Knives Out is fucking phenomenal. Um, So, and Natasha Leone plays the lead in this. And I don't think you've watched Russian Doll, James. But I haven't. It's one of those shows I have on my iPad, ready to watch season one of. I haven't got into it yet, but uh, so when I, I, again, I've heard good things about when it. When I watched Russian Doll, Natasha Leone is so, so good in it. I was like, God damn, I would love to see her just like in a detective show where she's just sort of like a cop or something. You know, and, and it looks like maybe this, what Poker Face is. Um, whether she's a tech detective or someone trying to solve a mystery, this looks really, really interesting. Um, the fact that it's a series I'm kind of excited about because you do get a little bit more time to play with characters and play with themes and stuff. And I kind of feel like just same way I feel about Russell Crowe, that if I do the right sort of social media campaign, I do know enough people that like, I have some mutual friends with Natasha Leone that maybe, maybe, just maybe we can get Ryan Johnson 
and or Natasha Leone on the podcast. I'm trying to think about the best way to go about doing it. I don't know if maybe they have a charity they like. Maybe we could do a little donation to their charity to get them involved. But like, I am super, super stoked for this. It looks really good. I watched the trailer after I realized yeah. that there was another Poker Face trailer for something completely different called Poker Face and thought, there's really less poker in this. Clearly, there are allusions to the game, but this is more about studying people, whereas the Russell Crowe movie clearly involves a game of poker yeah. and some criminals. Um, Either way, we'll make it work. So I got okay. So I got one yeah, story yeah. to tell before we get to the London recap. Sure. For, for reasons I won't go into, I had to run an errand to France <laughs> the day before... Uh, EPT two days before EPT London started and um, because it was so important someone else handled my travel for me and was just like hey you gotta be the, you gotta be the Eurostar by 1230 uh, the trains at 130 but uh, we booked you on uh, business class you don't have to you didn't get there only an hour beforehand so it's like 1030 when I check out of my hotel and I also have to check out of uh, the the Intercontinental in London and check into the Hilton. They're like a five-minute walk from each other. No big deal. So I check out of my hotel at 10.30. There's like a long line to check out. I get to the, I get to the Hilton at like 10.45, and I go, look, I know I probably can't check in my room right now, but uh, I, gotta, uh, I, I just want to say I'm here and check in and leave my bags. And the guy's like, doot, doot, doot. Okay, no rooms available. I'm like, no big deal. Just can I leave my bags? And he starts commenting on my Marvel shirt. I'm wearing that Marvel shirt with like all the characters on it. And he's talking to me about comic books and this and that. And I'm like, oh, do you like comics? He's like, yeah, I do, but I'm more into manga. And I just so happened to have all of my comics on me. I was giving away uh, you know, the first chapter of my comic book at EBT London, and I had barely given away any yet. I'm like, dude, this is a weird coincidence. Here's a comic book. I wrote this. It's kind of a free preview chapter. If you like it, there's a mailing list on the back. And then he's like, so now it's like 11 o'clock. And while I'm having this conversation with him, I realize that I've left my iPad in the other hotel. And I'm like, no oh, big Jesus. deal. I got uh, an just hour. To, yeah. Just remind us, what time do you actually have to be at St. Pancras for the train? 1230. Okay, and you're going from High Park Corner, so you need to leave like 30 minutes to get there. Right, okay. So it's we're not quick, in, though. It's we're not in the anxiety zone just Correct. yet, but, but, but it's encroaching. Correct. So I give him the comic book, and then he's like, oh, well, actually, you know what? Maybe there is a room available for you now. And in my head, I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Like, I never get stuff like this, right? I never get, like, the hotel hookup for, like, you know, gracing the guy's palm. It turns out it's a win-win. He gets my comic book. And now, but now he's, like, really digging around on the computer, like, looking for a room for me. Five minutes goes by. So it's, like, five minutes after 11 now. And I'm, like, okay, all right. Um, finally get the room key. It's 10 after 11. There's a long line. The elevator situation at the Hilton was not super stellar uh, at EBT London, and uh, I don't get up to the to the room till about ten after eleven. And when I go to get in the room, the door won't open. Oh, and so that means there's someone already in the there. The safety lock is engaged. Yes, that means someone has to have locked it from the inside. Yes, and I'm like, he's oh. basically given you someone else's room. Correct. And now, now that story tracks because there weren't rooms ten minutes ago. Now there are. So I go back downstairs. And I'm like, hey, dude, did you give me like? Is there someone else still in my room? He looks it up. He's like, no, there really shouldn't be. Um, let me send someone up there 
with you to open it. So now I got to go upstairs. Do I go back upstairs? Now I'm waiting for maintenance to show up. And just to be clear, in the back of your mind, you know you've got to go back to the Intercontinental to pick up your iPad that to, you left behind. To pick up my iPad, exactly. By the way, why is this such a common theme? I remember you leaving an iPad in Prague, like in 2019, like the last event we did before lockdown. I, I think it's a common theme for many people. It's a small device that easily folds into bed sheets and... Uh, Look, in Prague, dude, I didn't even tell you. So uh, the reason I left in Prague was because it was in the safe and I had my passport. And usually if that's not in the safe, nothing else is. This last trip to Prague, I left like $800 in the safe, cash. Oh, um, my God. Please, so can I have Joe Stapleton's hotel room when he checks out? <laughs> it's basically a jackpot. Could get an electronic device. Could get cash. So Could now, get a free suit. Now I'm up, up outside the room waiting for maintenance to show up and a maid comes out of the room next door. And I'm like, oh, hey, my door won't open. And she goes, oh, and she just shoves the door open. And it wasn't that the safety lock was engaged. It was just that it was like stuck. And me not wanting to shove my way into another person's room, she knew it was empty because she had just cleaned it. So now I'm in the room. I, 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 drop, I drop my stuff. I get in there. I go to leave. And as I'm leaving, um, now the maintenance guy shows up. And I'm like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I got to go. I got to go. So then I go back downstairs, and I realize that uh, I've left my headphones in the new hotel room. Oh, for fuck's sake. So there's no point in me getting the iPad without the headphones. So I go back and get the headphones. Now I head back over to the to the Hilton, and now it's like... Sorry, hold not on, to the Hilton, on. to the Intercontinental. So now it's like... Now it's like 11.35. Yeah, we're, I, we're getting into the zone now of like, we really want to be traveling. Already. Correct. We really want to make sure the margin of error is not being reduced so where, where there is no margin anymore. So now because it's 11.35, there's a, sh there's a shitload of people trying to check into the new hotel at the Intercontinental. I try to sneak the line, and there was like one guy like not talking there. I was like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I just chucked out of my room here. And, but like... Um, uh, I just need to go up. I left my iPad in there. I don't know what the protocol is. He goes, sure, sure, sure. No problem. I'll take care of it for you. He, the, he, at that point, just ignores me. And I have to wait for everyone in the line to get taken care of. And I finally get back up. And he's like, oh, yeah, can you help this guy? So the girl at the desk is like, oh, no problem. The room probably hasn't been cleaned yet. Here's a new room key. So I go back up to the old room. And when I go in the room, the maid is in the room. And she's like, I already found your iPad. I sent it downstairs. <laughs> So now I go back downstairs and I'm like, oh, hey, sorry. Yeah, the lady said she sent it down here. And I'm like, and and the, the person at the desk is like, down where? And I'm like, I don't know. She said the office. And she's like, what office? I'm like, what office do they send lost things to? This can't be the first time. Any By the way, I'm not saying it like this, but in my head, I'm like, what? This can't be the first time someone's left something in the fucking room. Where's my, no. where, where is it? And by the way, I always tip housekeeping luckily i'd left 20 pounds for housekeeping so like i didn't feel that guilty about this that feels like a fair trade to me right like i leave you 20 pounds you don't steal my ipad i'm totally i'm totally down with that arrangement so finally five minutes later someone comes out of the back office with my ipad and it's like 11:58 now and i'm like fucking just booking it long 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 story short i did make it i did make it to king's cross <laughs> I ended up waiting in the longer line that I didn't have to. I saw that there were like there was like a first class line, but I'm so not used to being the guy being like, "Hey, I don't think I'm supposed to wait in the line this time." That I just waited in the line anyway, 
Um, and then I did. I went to I went to France for like thirty five minutes, and uh, I had <laughs> I had one croissant, and I made sure to to drink the entire way. Like in the la- in the first class lounge, I just like took beers and put them in my bag and drank them the entire way to France and drank the entire way back. And I have to say that it was. Despite how stressful that part of it was, just knowing I didn't have anything to do but go to France and come back, it actually was like kind of a peaceful, relaxing trip. I love it. You can basically put Joe Stapleton in first class, but you can't make him classy. That's the moral of the story. Um, I'm glad that after that awful episode with two hotels, an iPad and some headphones, that you did make it to France okay, and that you did get back in London in time for the EPT. Yeah, asking you to level up one last time as we reflect on the most recent leg of the European Poker Tour, our return to London. And Joe, I really enjoyed this event. And I'm not just saying that because I didn't get COVID at this one. I actually think this might be the best ever venue EPT London's ever had. I, um, obviously it's been a long time. I kind of like the Grand Connaught Room, but it was nice having the hotel in the same place as the event. And I'm not going to lie. I actually didn't set foot into any of the tournament rooms until it was time to do the winner's interview. Like I realized their heads up and I'm doing my usual thing where I'm like pacing around. I, you know, the way it works guys is I have to prepare questions for both eventualities. Sometimes three, sometimes three eventualities. If people are super short when it's three handed, I'm like, this could be over any second. So I'm pacing around. I'm like, is it going to be Jack? Is it going to be Ian? Luckily, some of those questions do overlap, right? Obviously, about uh, having a British winner, yes. British soil, that overlaps. But I was like, when this is over, I don't know where to go. That I is didn't absurd. Know- <laughs> I'd spent so much time down on the floor. Now, granted, when the set was being constructed, I was down there. But also, I just like to walk around. And that's what I was judging on. I just felt that that poker room, the convention space we were using, was just a great space and had a bit more character to it than maybe the, the equivalent space of the Hilton Metropole, where the event used to be held. The Metropole was very grim. That was my first, like I said, my first ever trip to England, and like the everything about it was like, I don't know, the, no offense, but the Hilton Metropole, at least back then in 2009, was, it just felt a little soulless. It, it felt... Yeah. Very bizarre. So uh, I would agree that it was a good it was a good vibe in that room. Absolutely. I think there was a good vibe at the entire festival. And before we get to the main event, I just want to do a quick summary of some of the winners of other key tournaments. And I think the best story of the week, and I think we highlighted this on the stream and on Twitter as well, is that Barney Boatman won the five hundred and fifty pound PLO. Anytime someone who was on late night poker in nineteen ninety nine wins an EPT trophy, that makes me smile. Not just a guy from back then, because I don't have that history with him, right? That you have. He's not. He's not like your. Uh, he's not the person I grew up watching play poker. But he is a kindred spirit, as far as I'm concerned. I fucking vibe with that guy. Everything he says, the way he carries himself, the way he looks at poker, the way he looks at life, everything about that dude, I just appreciate. And it's nice to see people who have that sort of vibe still occasionally cashing big. Absolutely. Uh, We had Jessica Pilkington 
win the 330 pound women's event. Now, interestingly, first prize in that was just over 5K. I believe Jessica then parlayed that into a main event buy-in and that worked out for her because she made the final 16 in the EPT main event. Very um, cool. Sonia Amiti won the 550 pound charity event. This is the lady that Asif introduced us to in Barcelona, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I thought I, I thought that she was all done uh, with that particular trip to London. And then all of a sudden, the next day, obviously her uh, her PR rep uh, Asif put pictures up all over the place before I saw it coming from her. But yeah, also very very cool that a relative amateur shows up, and that was a pretty. Big first place. I think it was like 15K maybe or something for first place in that. So It was a decent not, field in that not, and a decent a prize pool. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then I just want to highlight some of the big names like Martin Jakobsen, who won the UKIPT main event, the 1K that kicked off the festival. He beat Connor Beresford heads up. Henrik Hecklund won the 50K super high roller. And those three guys and many other huge names made deep runs in yeah. the main event. Okay, this field was significantly smaller than Barcelona. Look, not every EPT can be Barcelona. But the fact that it was more select means that we definitely saw the cream rise to the surface as we streamed the late stages of this tournament. Yeah, look, it, it, it really did bring out, look, I think that obviously Britain is a very strong poker playing country. And so the average poker player who's going to show up to EPT London is going to be pretty good you know it's not exactly yeah. a tourist destination for for cheap tourism right it's not like someone is going to take a shot and go to ept london they're going to go to barcelona they're going to go to prague that you're really going to be up against just on average a higher caliber of poker player for sure absolutely if we talk about the strong field in the late stages uh, adrian mateos eric seidel jack sinclair but the one theme of this whole EPT for me was what I'm calling hashtag civilized poker. And <laughs> after we had, I mean, look, I'm not complaining. We have amazing jobs. But Monte Carlo was punishing. Barcelona was punishing to everyone who had to work it to the end. The fact that we were only working 12 hours a day, coming in at 10 in the morning and off air by 10 p.m. meant that I could go to bed at a decent time, go to the gym in the morning. And it just made it such a more enjoyable experience. And what was great was to hear the players say that as well. Like Seidel highlighted that, Ben Heath highlighted that, that this is what they want. They don't want to be playing till 1 a.m. every day. They want to finish at 9, 9.30, go for dinner, come back rested for the next day. It works for everyone. It's not all about us. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully that's something that we can sort of find a middle ground between um, a large field size and a manageable playing day because, you know, part of the reason why the days are so long in Barcelona is because so many fucking people show up. So hopefully there there's some sort of happy ground between those two things where, where, where we can split the difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mentioned Jackson Clare. He got heads up against Ian Hamilton, so we knew we were going to have a British winner. The first... UK player to win the UK leg of the EPT in more than 10 years, David Van Plew being the last one uh, when EPT London took place in 2010. And I think even if we talk about the final table at the start, Joe, if we talk about the final six, Jack Sinclair was probably the favourite coming in. Roman Harabet's a very close second because he's clearly got 
more results and is more accomplished and more experienced than any other player. And when it got heads up and you had Sinclair with that resume and that chip lead, yeah. he was the firm favourite. So going back to what you were talking about, writing your cue cards, your questions out, let's be honest, you thought the Hamilton questions were a backup. No one saw this going the way it did. Um, but credit to Ian Hamilton making an incredible comeback one foot out the door, jacket on, ready to leave, hits the Miracle River card and then puts himself in a position to get heads up and somehow get the better of Jack Sinclair. Yeah, I mean, look, he did hit multiple Miracle River cards before yes. that point. Yes. Also, right? There was like the ace five where he spiked the five on the river when he really should have been out probably, what was that, like in sixth or fifth place or something. Um, but that's what it's, again, not to take away from it all, that's that's poker, right? That's what happens. Like, he didn't, in my opinion, make any major mistakes that got him into those situations to hit Miracle Rivers. He just happened to be behind and got there. And I will say, yeah, that there was a, I had all the Jack Sinclair questions memorized. I mean, right. probably, probably from the start of day. I knew yep. what I was going to be talking to Jack Sinclair about. And then, yes, the Ian Hamilton questions were a bit of a backup. Then, obviously, once the chip lead changed hands, I was like, okay, time to start focusing on these. But one of the things that I kind of gleaned from the winner's interview with him was that he did sort of understand that he was a bit of an underdog. And if you saw Ian Hamilton with the hood off, um, he's a, what you'd expect, like a bright-faced, smiley English kid. Um, you know, with a with a a big toothy grin and kind of like a, a little sparkle in his eye. And then when he was had that that hood up and the sunglasses on, you really could not see you anything. Could. And I think when he won, after that winning moment, when the hood came off, that's the first time that many people, many people watching the stream would have said, Other oh, than his little avatar, other than his little like that's thing. That's true. Yeah. That's true. They would say, Oh, that's what he looks like. Okay. And also his rail suddenly came alive. They had been quite muted compared yeah. to what we saw in Barcelona. Quite you, muted. You can't and blame them though, right? When you when you go to heads up with like a four to one chip deficit True. and then go back to a four to one chip deficit, I True. think at a certain point too, like it's gonna it's gonna take the wind out of your sails. I know K variants may have been a part, but that's the beauty of poker and that's why we love the game and it doesn't take anything away from his accomplishment. Ian Hamilton is an EPT winner and he was one of many good characters I think that we had in this particular uh, EPT main. And I think it's fair to say, Joe, there is one character who stood out for us. He was at that final table. And I'm not just saying this because it is the year of Romania. Year uh, Romania. I'm saying it because this 67-year-old guy in a cap was definitely a fan favorite. And I'm so pleased he is here on the show today. EPT London finalist, Dan Kishu, welcome to the podcast. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm very happy. I never expected to become a, a, a guest in this uh, podcast. Well, Dan, your legend keeps growing. And clearly, we do have a very loyal Romanian audience when we're streaming the EPT. We heard tales of comedy clubs. We heard tales of you discovering all of Bucharest's best stand-up comedians. We heard about many of your movies, including Hashtag Dog Poop Girl. And we verified that it's all true. Yeah, it it, it is uh, I did not tell you everything because nobody knows uh, everything I did. <laughs> but uh, I I decided to to live my life as uh, as uh, I can, and I did some important things. But one of the most important things for me is that uh, um, 
I achieved something in poker because this is the, my latest, uh, uh, you know, pastime. I'm I'm not a professional player. I start doing it that just for fun, and now I I find myself, and I still regret what the incredible mistake I did on the final table because I should have go up to at least top three. That's the only thing I, I'm really upset about. What do you think your mistake was at the final table? Um, it was maybe not the mistake of... Uh, maybe that, that hand with the pocket jacks on the pocket fives. But the mistake I did, it was that I, I go broke mentally after that hand. That's the problem. And I know myself, I've been in very difficult situation and I handle it. I, I, I have a very good anger management. I'm upset with me that I could have uh, been, uh, no, I modify everything in my head after that hand because I played with the, the Roman uh, for days. I knew he was very lucky all the time. And I, I just couldn't believe that he can hit the straight. That's it. And But this is a stupid thing. I play the player instead of playing my game. So then everything uh, uh, dismantled, like in uh, Zorba's uh, uh, final, uh, if you remember the movie, when everything falls down and the guy asked him, uh, you like the disaster? He said, yeah, it's a beautiful disaster. <laughs> I mean, again, to accentuate the positive here, to make the final table of an EPT is still an achievement and particularly a field that was so tough. You mentioned Roman. I mean, we could highlight many of the other names. You already have highlighted many of the other names who were going deep in this event. It was a tough one. Yes, I I played with the with Ole Shemion, which I played in Monte Carlo. If you remember, well, I played. I, the, I was going to say because that's where we normally see you. Monte Carlo is very much the venue I yeah. associate you with, and obviously we're delighted to see you in London. But that made me think, how much poker do you actually play? Because I figured like Monte Carlo once a year was your kind of poker fix. Yeah, but um, I'm retired. Uh, my last movie I did it uh, four years ago, so I stopped the uh, the pandemic. Um, showed me that we cannot work from home. Making movies from home, it's impossible. And then I decided to to, to move to South of France. And then uh, uh, I found it beautiful. And then I found myself in that position. And I wonder, why did not I stop before? Why should I, should I wait it to 67? Because I really enjoy my... my uh, on Monte Carlo, I was walking from my place to the to the uh, poker uh, area the first two days after they they blocked everything because of the formula, formula 1 formula 1 and i could not walk i, I should have taken the car go up to rockbrun and come back on the other side but but uh, uh, i played uh, when i had time i did play because it it came something like very important for my mindset for me the poker table it's like I make analysis, I find characters, uh, I, I develop stories. Uh, for me, it's it's something different. Uh, and uh, if I don't know if uh, Joe, you have the time to see the movie, but in my movie, one of the characters fucked up everything because he's playing too much online poker. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I bring characters from from uh, well, whatever. I did. Around. I did see your movie, which we're going to get into later. But I will say that you named that character Duda which I thought was interesting because one of the, uh, there's a, like a bunch of Romanian poker players either named Duda or Duta. Um, so Florin I wasn't sure is if my you friend. Named... Florin is my friend. Florin Duta. Yeah, he's my friend. Yeah. 
Except that uh, Dan made Dan made the character a big fat guy though, which is not Florian Dutas. <laughs> no, so. no, no. That, that, but he's a poker player, you know. In the matter of fact, he's a poker player, and he was so so scared of playing in my movie. And then uh, I changed his character. I, 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 because I wrote the script, I put him in that situation to be to be a little bit scared and so on and so. Forth. I love this idea of you making stories about the people you play against. What is Olashemian's story? What do you imagine is the tale of Olashemian? I saw him so many times in so many uh, setups, uh, images. Uh, last time when I played with him, he had the, the hair uh, half red, half yellow. <laughs> if you, I don't know if you remember. Yes. I played with him uh, once in uh, in uh, in the PCA. Uh, we played at the final table, and it was Natasha Barbour, the the wife the wife or the fr- girlfriend of. Uh, of uh, Mercier, I think, because they were all speaking and I was just in between them. I don't know how I got there, but uh, I remember that uh, I tried to to uh, to speak to him, to give him another impression about me, like I did with uh, with uh, Andrea Akari. He knows the story. You know the story with uh, Akari in in Malta. Uh, he was eating with his uh, girlfriend or whatever. In a restaurant on the on the near the harbor, and I knew him because he's a star. Uh, and uh, I heard that he he get the, his food, and then he tasted. Said, "Is this with the uh, seafood?" And uh, the waiter said, it, "It has no, no, no. I cannot eat it because I have a, an allergy." And uh, oh. he was explaining to the partner there that he can get dots, uh, red dots on his face. And uh, but I heard all the story, and then. Next day, I'm with him on the same table, and I told him some one moment I was talking to him, and I told him, uh, I, I I have a vibration on 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 you. Do you have problems with the seafood? I said, Come on, how do you know? I know your cards, but this is not very important. <laughs> I made him go to the toilet to see if he has the, the red dots, and then I told him, I told him the story. Now we are good friends. I mean, he was laughing so much because I I turn up everything down. I you know it's like in the 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 Sting. The, the, do you remember the movie The Sting? Yes, very well. To, of course, yeah. it's one of our favorites. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was trying to to turn everything around, and I I, I love it. I feel very very. Uh, uh, I'm 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 like like a fish in the water there, and sometimes I like not I like me not to be the fish, and as they the the professionals the professional players are fishing the fish. They are hunting the fish. I'm trying to hunt the professional. That's that's my my game in in the, this. Uh, so yeah, t- let me let me ask you about that a little bit. So uh, in my experience, when older folks are taken to the game of poker, it's something that they that they take up later in life. A lot of times, um, part of you know they might enjoy the competition or winning money, but also it's like the social aspect of it, the the interaction where it's sometimes difficult at a certain age to go out and go to bars or clubs or hang out with people. And spending time at a poker table is like a really nice way for people to stay engaged and stay active and to make friends. Is this part of what draws you to the game? Yes, and that's why when the people are too much. Uh um, tension and there is a tension at the table. I try to remind them that it's a game. Fine. First of all, it's a game. Okay. Maybe some of them are very, very stressed because uh, this is their way of life. 
I mean, I don't have any problem if I'm losing or I, I have a very important background management, even with my whole money. I'm not talking about my poker money, but I like uh, trying to socialize and trying to to see. I, I like I, I like to find things about people and to see their attitude. And as you know, normally, as I learn when I learn poker, you play uh, the cards, the position, and the player. I'm not the best on playing the cards. I'm not the best on playing maybe the position, but I might be the best on playing the players because you know what my job is. You know that I can rehearse. I can repeat with an actor or uh, during my shooting for a yes, even one hour. It could be a different yes. It could be a yes, 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 yes. I know all the, I mean, I need something. And when you work very much with this one, this become your nature. And uh, every poker player wants to represent something, to show something. They want to have their poker face or they want to, uh, 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 like uh, Kempe, who's speaking to everybody to find out about them. I played with uh, Kempe and uh, uh, it was very fun for me. We talk a lot about uh, how he's trying to interact with the, with the other players. And when they start acting, because everybody is acting, the, their problem is that they find a director. And that's my point. My, I, I can feel the, the nuances better than anybody else because I'm working with, with all these details. The, uh, I don't know if you remember, I was trying to, to look at the, uh, um, the guy with the hood, uh, Sinclair. Uh, Ian, ha well, Ian Hamilton. Ian Hamilton. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to, to, to look, look on his eyes and he was lowing down his head. He, he understood that I was trying... Uh, these are my only uh, weapons in, in this game. I know that there are a lot of a lot better players than me. Well, but finally it works. I mean, and I, I like it. That's all. Let's talk about the career that gave you those weapons, then, because I have to confess. I don't know a lot about the Romanian film industry, and I appreciate we haven't got time to do your entire life story, Dan. But how did you get into cinema? How did you become a filmmaker and producer? Uh, it uh, started when I was very young. It was a group of actors uh, in uh, high school, and uh, we have the chance to to meet a, an important uh, theater director. And everybody was, uh, they all became uh, uh, famous actors in Romania, except me, because I was the, trying to become a director. He advised me to go to theater, to, to direct the stage theater, but the stage was too small for me. And then I said, okay, I'm trying to do that. And because I could not, uh, uh, it, it was very difficult to go to the uh, film school in, in Romania. It was almost impossible. There were only three, four places each year because it was so complicated. It's a very expensive school. So then I defect Romania and I, I uh, uh, went to France when I, I was trying to start uh, working in cinema because I was working before and I found that nobody was interested on uh, on uh, a Romanian uh, uh, getting the job of a French guy. And uh, sure. I made, I made uh, the studies on... A, Nothing's really changed, by the way, in that respect. Yeah, yeah. And then I made a, a um, image and sound school uh, and I become... A professional on filming. This was my first. Uh, I, I, I become a cameraman. 
And then little by little, I start. Can you give us, by the way, can you tell us a decade? Is this the 60s, 70s, oh, 80s, 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 80s. Okay. But it was that period when I was alone in, in Paris. And the only way to stay there, because I could not go back, because in Romania, it was the communist time. But I remember it was a very tough, tough, tough time, because at five o'clock, I was going to uh, the newspaper called Le Matin, the, mor- the morning, Le Matin. Yep. And I was uh, spreading newspapers from five to six, getting 100 francs. This was something like very few dollars. And then I was going to, to work in, a, in, a, in La Défense. It's that uh, city of uh, Paris, the, uh, building the financial city of uh, uh, Paris. And I, they, they, I was working in, a, in I was uh, putting uh, uh, paintings on the walls of uh, important uh, uh, chiefs of staff so from different places. And ending in the evening, I was working in a bar. In uh, 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 it was a bar in Europe. I remember Rue Perlesco uh, at Leal. It was just the only way to get a lot of money to survive. And little by little, everything changed. Then I was in, uh, hired by a travel company because I was speaking French, Romanian, German, Italian, and I start travel. And I was traveling a lot for them. I spent one year in India. I stayed there wow. to to work for for a travel company called Nouvelle Frontier in France, which does not exist anymore now. And that year in India changed completely my life. I understand that life is different, and I have to. I had a very important uh, guide, which became little by little my friend, who changed the, completely the 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 what the perception of what I have to to do and how to to take life as it is. And then I came back. It was the revolution. I go back to Romania. I start the first film festival in Romania. And then I start uh, with the TV production. I made something like uh, 20 documentaries. I made Around the World in 80 Days. I did it following the Phileas Fogg uh, things. You can find it on, on uh, YouTube if you want. Following and making the same way of transportation, balloons, uh, uh, sledges, wow. Wow. trains and everything. We did Sydney Hobart in balloon. Yeah, and we had a, I did that. Then I made another one, which was very important. It was called uh, Around the World in 80 Spices. And I follow Vasco da Gama from uh, from uh, where he uh, started to Calicut in India and I spent there another three three months in in uh, in Asia and then I made another one about uh, uh, shamans in Peru which is called the reality of a myth where I stayed in in another place for another I don't remember four weeks that must be crazy seeing now how much mainstream um Peru and shamans and those sort of rituals are and yeah, like I was in, there for and, the- and, and you made this talk when did you make the documentary? Uh, 12 years ago, I think. I can send you the link yeah, for I mean, all of them. But it was for the ayahuasca. I did not take it. Uh, uh, we had a, a guy who was supposed to take it to get there because I read and I spoke to uh, Jeremy Narby. He wrote The Cosmic Serpent. Uh, and he was explaining to me that uh, once you get there, you if you cannot swallow the serpent, you cannot see the whatever uh, the ayahuasca gives you. But the, the only thing which uh, shocked me was that everyone was telling that, that they have the same hallucination of that serpent to be swallowed. And uh, when I followed the, the whole thing they did, how do, do, they, how do they process the whole uh, uh, ayahuasca the, when they boil it? They have another um, plant, which is a green plant like uh, basil, but it's called chacruna. And you have to drink that first because you get an anesthesia in your stomach and you do not 
throw up. The, the only thing is you cannot take the ayahuasca because the first feeling is to throw up. I stayed there for, for a period and I, I had a very interesting experience filming some shamans uh, uh, become becoming painters after. And I found in their painters, I still have the, the pictures, I found in their the paintings, the same paintings like in the Romanian monasteries, which completely shocked me. I don't want to go further on this one, but it was a pure shock. And the, the, the last part was very easy. I decided to start making features and I know that I have to stop. And uh, because I could not, I was involved in too many things. I was making the stand-up comedy club. Uh, I had a restaurant in Bucharest. I had a festival. I had a, the advertising night. I had too many things. And three shows on the Romanian different channels, uh, TV channels. And then I said, oh, I have to stop. And then I bought, I bought my sailing boat and I spent uh, five years uh, on my boat. I wrote my scripts. I put one camera on the mast and the other one on the other part. And I sold 12 shows about how to live on a boat, which is uh, as well on YouTube, which gave me much more money. And then I stopped and I made my first feature. And starting the 12, 13 years ago, I'm only making movies. And I make 12, 12, and I direct myself, wrote and direct nine. In the meantime, also had a comedy club and a restaurant as well. Um, with your background in comedy, when are you going to go to one of Joe Stapleton's gigs? When are you going to give him notes, Dan? I, I heard him. And I don't want to say that I like him because he said he promised me every time when I was I was playing, even last time in Vegas, I was in, a, in, an, in an event. Even in London, I was playing the first. I mean, it happened. I want to see Joe. I really want to see him. Uh, I have a friend which is now uh, in London, a Romanian stand-up, one of my ex-friends, uh, uh, because I... One of your discoveries. Yeah, my discoveries. And uh, and uh, he's now, he's in London, he's making in English, which is very important. The other uh, group of, uh, now there are something like 20 uh, stand-uppers, but the group of four, which I, I started with, they are so famous now. They had a show in Paris, uh, London, uh, Paris, Brussels, and uh, Amsterdam in uh, in uh, one month ago. Of course, only for the Romanian audience. They cannot make it in English. But I love stand-up. I mean, I opened my, my club in Bucharest, and I remember one of the guys uh, being a stand-upper. I was in somewhere around the world, and I called him, and he told me, it's so full. And I said, how many? 17 people today. <laughs> yeah, five people for the stand-up. They were their families, you know? And he, he, he told me to tell you that there are 17 people. Uh, this is the legend. And now he's uh, he's one of the uh, biggest Romanian actors. He's, uh, uh, he's making 4,000 people two times in a row in, uh, in the biggest hall in Romania. I know you've just given us a, 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 a potted summary of all of the different places you've lived, the places you've visited, the jobs you've done, the things you've achieved. And it's a fantastic life to have lived and to now have this chapter where you can now, having retired from movies, focus 100% on poker. Having had that going on in the background, this can now be your kind of primary focus, right? I don't want to put it as primary. I'm writing. I'm writing a lot. Okay. I'm writing. Yeah, I'm writing a lot. I'm, uh, I'm, I stay in Cap Dai. You know, it's, it, it is very close to, to Monaco. And uh, I have uh, 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 a small terrace 
and uh, I can see the 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 wonderful sea every morning and every evening. And I'm Very writing cool. on a I'm writing for a for a theater play. I have a project for for a big international movie, which is uh, I'm still waiting for for uh, uh, some people to 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 grab it. Uh, I have enough time. I was I don't know if I. Uh, told you, Joe, about my my uh, theater play in two characters. Did I? Uh, the only thing I've heard about yours is you were thinking of doing some sort of poker animated thing. I don't know about your theater. No, no, play no. I, I have a, a, a thing uh, uh, in two characters because it's easier to to put it on stage. You don't have too many actors. To, you don't have to pay too many people. But I, I'm I, I'm I'm trying to get the idea, and the idea was um, a, a reencounter of two characters. They never, they did not see each other for so many years, but you don't know how many years. By little by little, when the other one is not, it's late on the meeting, you realize that these guys are the devil and God. They made a bet 500 years ago when uh, during the Middle Ages, the uh, La Renaissance did not come and God blamed uh, the devil that because of him, uh, humanity cannot uh, get to uh, Renaissance. And the humanity stays in the Middle Ages. And they decided to change places because the devil told to the God, okay, this is not my problem. It's your problem because you create these people and these people, they, they don't want to do it. It's a kind of reference if you remember uh, uh, Margaret and the Maestro of Bulgakov, which is the same story about uh, um, the interference in, in between God and devil, which could be in the same person. It's kind of like uh, trading places, it sounds yeah. like. Like they, they, ma they make they, a bet yeah. whether Eddie Murphy can... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 500 years, they have this meeting. It's in 2000, two hours before the moment of the 2000. You know what happened in 2000? Everybody said, this is the end of the world. They said that... Uh, Nostradamus uh, and the uh, uh, Peruvian and the whatever calendar says that this is the end of the world. Yeah. But in the matter of fact, it's a conversation between characters. And it was uh, about everything what happened from uh, uh, one, the 1500 to 2000. And it's explained how do we get here? How do we get to the First World War, to the Second World War, and so on and so forth. But it's a comedy. I mean, I'm not trying to be. Uh, uh, it's a comedy because you know the, when uh, uh, the devil take the place of God, he's telling him, you know that I've got a thrill when I did the first good thing in my life. I'm not used to that. And God tell him, it happened to me when I lied for the first time. I did not ever lie. <laughs> so it's a kind of changing situation. Like I, uh, I uh, try to to understand the. Uh, because I'm a, a agnostic, I, I I do not have any. I, sure. I, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what it is around me, but I have a belief. But uh, I, I I'm not an atheist. I'm I'm glad you've got so much going on in addition to the poker. That's fantastic. Um, Joe, I don't know if you want to talk about the the homework assignment that Dan set you and the fact that you reviewed one of his uh, his recent films. Yeah, so what I'll say is that anytime, look, I, I've lived in Hollywood for over 20 years now. Anytime I meet a filmmaker, a producer, a director, I figure that they're full of shit. And I figure that even if they're not full of shit, that I'm going to have to come up with nice things to say about whatever it is they watch because they're not going to be very good. Dan, this movie is called Five Minutes. Is that what it's called? Yes. This movie's really good. <laughs> it's really good. It's really interesting. 
uh, it, it's 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 relevant. It is. Uh, it's. I don't want to give the whole thing away, but it's more or less about um, these these cops or the army in Romania re- respond to like sort of a, a like a a homophobic uh, attack, and they don't do a very good job of uh, of 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 helping out, and someone uh, nearly dies, and it's about the media trying to find the truth, and the cops sort of trying to act like no, well, we basically did our job, and. The lead actor who plays the main cop who is incredibly homophobic but contends that it wasn't his fault that the guy got seriously hurt. It's very interesting and it's very and the actor does a great job and there's just enough ambiguity to it on both sides where the media isn't perfectly portrayed as far as like being good or bad guys and the army isn't perfectly portrayed as being good or bad guys and there's an interesting family dynamic to it as well. And I, I thought the whole thing was was really good and really well done. And um, I, it's something, James, I know that, you know, because you're you have a close personal attachment to, to local news, um, you know, to, to journalism uh, that I think that you'd find yeah. it really interesting. Also, no, definitely. No, I, I, I just one second. Uh, you, you, you described it very well because I was in, I was very interested on, on the relativity of the truth, because each one was having his own truth. And believing in his own truth, the only character who uh, was uh, confronting and fighting, it was his daughter. You remember? On the restaurant when she attacked his father. That means that there is hope. I mean, not everybody, because the the media and the fake news now, it's so uh, disturbing. And I mean, intending to tell the truth, you are, are, I used one of the famous uh, uh, phrase, which is from an American writer, uh, when they talk about, but it's not true. And the guy says, shall we let, let the truth uh, ruin such a beautiful story? This was a, yeah. a, a, a quota from a, an American uh, journalist. I mean, uh, shall we leave, let the truth uh, uh, destroy such a beautiful story? This was the meaning of my, my sometimes the truth could destroy beautiful stories. Yeah, and it was, I, I, I thought it was excellent. I really did, Dan. So thank you for sending that along. I think. And Dan, thank you so much for giving up your time today to talk to us. And I get the disappointment with your result in London, but also, as I said before, it's still a final table in an EPT. And it sounds like we're going to be seeing you at more live events in the coming months and weeks. I'm ready to Prague. Fantastic. Fantastic. In that case, we will see you at Prague for the final EPT of 2022. Thank you very much. Thank you. I absolutely love this evening because... I was, uh, you know, I was very famous around the poker in my country. And for the first time, I feel important in poker. And you made me feel that, which I'm very happy. Thank you, Joe. I'll come to your first show even if I, <laughs> I leave my... Dude, I'm, I'm always just kidding. It's not a big deal. I, I, look, I know I, people have other shit going on. It's all good. Okay. We've reached that point in the podcast where we try to give away some prizes to one of our loyal listeners as we welcome to Superfan versus Stapes, Tim Assier. Hello, Tim. Hey, you got it right. I know how to pronounce an acute accent. You have the little ding yes. on your E, and I decided to give it the credit it deserved. I think it's more like, I'm like, I know this dude's name is an assy, so what's the way I can pronounce this to not be an <laughs> asshole? <laughs> 
Oh my God, you nailed it. I, that happens so rarely. It's always like, uh, 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 how do you say your last name? But man, you nailed it. So, um, yeah. you see, I was going to guess, and I don't know where you're from, Tim. So I'm literally just guessing Quebec, French Canadian. No, no. no. Um, I, my family immigrated from France, whatever, a few generations ago. I live in Saskatchewan, which is like dead center in the middle of Canada. Right. We have about the same landmass as the UK but about a million and a give or take a few people. So sorry, yeah. a million total, not a million <laughs> yes. less or a million more. No, no, no. Like 1.2 million in the entire, uh, like province. Because I'm guessing if you were over in Quebec, maybe people would have less issue butchering your name. Yeah, I think so. Although they can be, uh, they can be funny sometimes if they don't like your French, they'll switch to English and then away they go. <laughs> Um, It sounds like you live in a very beautiful part of the world. What is it that you do out there? I am what's called a digital strategist. I'm not in IT. I know that comes up often. I'm not in IT. Um, But like think like graphic design, website management, online advertising, that kind of uh, all those fun things in 2022. Do you have any suggestions for me? Like, could you do a, a brand relaunch for Stapes? I would say, yeah, like in all of your photos, go from chest down. Like, just leave the face out. <laughs> be good to go. You're fired. <laughs> no, I actually, I saw your costume the other day. It was, I liked it. Oh, uh, thank you. I, yeah. I, 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 audio podcast. I still have the uh, the Tony Stark facial hair right now. If you're uh, <laughs> if you're listening to the audio podcast, which in, I'm not a fan of because it doesn't hide all my chins. The weird thing is. I did not know that this grooming had taken place purely for the purpose of Halloween. I prefer this. You actually look, you haven't just rolled out of bed. No, I look, I look fat and French, which is both accurate, but I don't care for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Tim, what's the poker scene like in your part of the world? Um, It's, it's not bad. It was kind of dicey for a while there, obviously, but we're back. We're back and running. Actually, a couple weeks ago, we had like 10 guys in my basement just, Chips flying everywhere, money flying everywhere. It was, uh, it was very refreshing. Yeah. Nice. Well, we'll yeah. try and ship you some merch for your home game. We'll also try and give you a $109 Sunday Million ticket as well. Ooh. As you answer questions about the movie, What We Do in the Shadows, a film that I must confess I got 20 minutes into and <laughs> quit. This was, this was some time ago. I just, I, I, I'm just couldn't, I just wasn't on board with it. Just couldn't get into it. And that's weird because so many of the people involved in this, I love. Yeah. I've got good news and bad news for you here about this movie, Tim. The bad news is that I've seen this movie probably 10 times oh. in the time since it's come out. The good news is I haven't seen it in like the last year and a half or two. So uh, I don't really know. At this age, things don't stick as well. But I got to tell you, anytime I'm with a group of people and people are like half sort of into watching a movie, half not, this is like a go-to. Like this is Mm -hmm. like, and people, people will shut the fuck up and listen to this movie because it is so funny. And unfortunately, the problem is, I so I watched it a few weeks ago to sort of brush up. And then last night, I went to watch it again. I fell asleep on the couch like three quarters of the way through. So if there's any questions about the last act, Uh-oh. I might be in trouble. It may have <laughs> yeah, gone in via osmosis without you even oh, realizing. Yeah, um, maybe I need to give it another go. As I said, I just wasn't, I couldn't, didn't, never, didn't laugh once in the first 20 minutes. I just 
could not get into it, but willing to uh, try again. Obviously, Patrick was tasked with watching it for the purpose of compiling this quiz. There are 10 questions available, Tim. Please give me a number between 1 and 10. It's got to be 7. Always coming 7. And question 7 is, complete the quote. What are we? Werewolves, not... <laughs> okay, swear wolves. I laughed at that one last night. There we go. We have got two points on the board. And not Joe... only is that a quote from the movie, but I have used that line on televised EPT coverage. It, I don't remember <laughs> what episode, but it is in there somewhere. Cool story, yeah. bro. Uh, what question would you like, Joseph? <laughs> what? Just linking it back to our work, but fine. Uh, question three. Question three. What is the real name of the beast? The real name of the beast. It is a lady's name. It is Julie. Julian is her boyfriend. Her. I'll need the choices. Is it Satanica, Nosferatu, Dracula, or Pauline? Pauline. It is Pauline <laughs> for one point. Uh, so questions seven and three have gone. Everything else is available to you, Tim. Uh, let's go one. Question one. What is the name of the human? who introduces the vampires to modern technology. Oh. It's not the familiar. I I think it's Stu. Is it Stu? It is Stu. You get the two points. All I was right. about to say, do you want to take the options? Turns out you I didn't was need them. So close. Uh, I'm not running hot in this so far. Okay, Joe, where are we going next on the board? Let's go question 10. Question number 10. What animal does Viago take down for Peter to eat in the opening sequence? What animal does Viago take down for Peter to eat in the opening sequence? I'll take the choices. The choices are chicken, lamb, worm, or cat. A chicken. It is a chicken. One point. So it's four points to Tim, two points to Joe as we go into the third round. Uh, you can have two, four, five, six, eight, or nine, Tim. Let's go nine. Question number nine. What time does Viago say he wakes up? Gal, <laughs> okay, have the options, please. Finally. Okay. Is it 6 p.m., 9 p.m., midnight, or 6 a.m.? Uh... It's probably 9 p.m. or 6 p.m., but I think 6. Let's go 6. 6 p.m. You want yeah, a 6 flip. p.m. Well done. You get a point. <laughs> Joe, 2, 4, 5, 6, or 8? Oh, uh, 5. Question number 5, which is, what does Deacon do in the post credit scene at the end of the film? Uh, it tries to hypnotize the audience. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you into forgetting the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm that glad. means yeah. at the end of that round, that means, Tim, you now only have a one-point advantage. Two questions each still to go, and your choices are two, four, six, or eight. What question What question number did Joe take there? Uh, he took number five. Uh, oh, okay, so they're not really in order, are they? Um, was two available? Two is available. You know number okay, two. Okay, let's do it. You number two. Yep. Yep. Who plays Vladislav? Uh, uh, Jermaine Clement. He does, and that is worth two points. Uh, Joe, you can really do with getting a full complement of points here and not taking I the know, options. I know, but he keeps getting all the ones <laughs> I know without the choices. Uh, question four. Who is the first character shown on screen? The first 
character shown on screen is uh no it's it's the um I don't think it's it's the um I can't even remember the guy's name. Is there is there a guy named Duke or something? I'll take the choices. Okay, is it Vladislav, Viago, Deacon, or Peter? Deacon. It was Viago, but never mind. Uh, six or eight for your final question, Tim. Let's go eat. Question number eight. What human food causes Nick to throw up blood? <laughs> Uh, oof, boy, I don't know. I might have been asleep. Let's do the, let's do the, the options, please. Is it a chicken leg, a carrot, a chip, or a milkshake? Mm, milkshake? <laughs> no, it's a chip. The good old-fashioned French fry. Uh, which leaves you with question <laughs> six, Joe. Okay. In what city is the film both set and filmed in? Wellington. Wellington, New Zealand will give you two points, which means you only lose by one point. A respectable <laughs> showing for Joe Stapleton, but a victory nonetheless for our superfan. Congratulations, Tim. That means you're going to get a Sunday Million ticket. You're going to get some Pokestars awesome. merch, and uh, you can call yourself a winner. Nice. Nice. That's good. I think Joe got the hard questions. It happens. <laughs> oh well <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show right on thank you for having me thank you for bearing with my my technological challenges <laughs> you got it tim we're only going to show this from the uh the neck down though get out of here awesome <laughs> that's fair <laughs> Just before you close out the show, Joe, just before we go today, I just wanted to highlight uh, the best of Discord, as I'm calling okay. it. I just want to shout out some of the people who've been taking part in the conversation on our Discord channels, on the Pokestars Discord server. And a reminder, there is a link to that server in the podcast description. I want to say hello to Reese, who is playing the mini EPT London series while watching the streams. Hello to Bounty Bob, who said he saw me at the Hilton, was hoping to meet up. Bob, always happy to say hello. Uh, Joe, you actually arranged some meet and greets uh, with a few fans while we were there. Uh, if you hit one of us up on Twitter, uh, Joe's also on Facebook as well. Uh, more than happy to say hello uh, if we're not looking too busy. Before the start of play is always a good time. Um, but the biggest shout out of all has to go to Scooby Dubious, who thinks I deserve an Emmy Award, Joe, for my brief but essential role in Guillermo del Toro's new Netflix series, <laughs> The Cabinet of Curiosities. And I did not know, did not know until this series dropped on Netflix that we had done a licensing deal. Um, and someone then mentioned, oh, yeah, absolutely. We gave them the footage. This was, you know, kind of so, they wanted to use it. So how does that work? Like they asked us yes, to use because, it? Absolutely. They wanted some poker footage to include in a TV show. And they said, can we use this? And... I'm pretty sure we gave it to him for free. I don't think there's any licensing fee involved. It's great yeah. for us to have the PSPC TV shows featured in this. But it is so weird that it's literally just one line of commentary uh, that made it into the show. And so there you go. That's, have you seen uh, it? What's the line? What do you say? I haven't I seen it yet. I think I say it's the three of clubs on the turn. And apparently Scooby Dubious was very impressed by my delivery and said it was suitably 
foreboding, particularly menacing. So that's Ooh. why he's trying to get me uh, an Emmy Award. Awesome. Uh, what, while we're talking TV, yeah. uh, Don Pree has started watching The West Wing. Good job, Don. And Mex Hedrum wants to hear Nate Silver on the show. Can we make this happen? Okay, so I, I did hit up Nate a couple of weeks ago, and he said he's totally down in theory. Here's the, here's the thing. He's like, I can't plan that far in advance. I asked him for like, you know, I was like, this is a big deal. We got to get him like six weeks in advance. He said, check in with me sooner, closer to the date. Now, here's the problem. We're one week away from, obviously, every election is the most important election in the history of the world. So we're, we're, we're six days out from that election. And I want to hit him up the day after election day. So I need to figure out, like, what's the, what's the right amount of time? Because I'm definitely not going to fucking say a word to that guy, at least for, like, the next 10 days. Fair enough. Fair enough. I will leave it in your more than capable hands. Don't have to worry about it for next week because we have a very clear agenda for next week. Yes. Uh, next week, it's WCOOP Take Two. So we'll be broadcasting and that's what the podcast will be about, I assume. Absolutely. So podcast will be a day later because the streams are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So a reminder, this is Take Two of the WCOOP main events, Boosted Guarantees, this coming Sunday. That's Sunday, the 6th of November. And that means the high buy-in main event, which is the World Championship of No Limit Hold'em. It's a 10K buy-in with a 7 million guarantee. We'll be streaming that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 6 p.m. UK time, the usual broadcast team. And then when we do the podcast on Thursday, Joe, maybe someone who made a deep run, maybe one of the finalists, maybe the winner. Uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's someone we can get a hold of. It's it's really weird to be thinking ahead to something that hasn't happened yet. Like we've got a, it's a whole new thing, three whole days of WCOOP. To, to pick up WCOOP again, it feels weird, but I'm looking it forward to it. It does feel really weird, especially we've had a live event in the middle of it all, right? But yes, yeah. Pokestar's Twitch and YouTube channels, 6 p.m. UK, that's 7 p.m. Central European time. We'll be there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. World-famous bubble coverage, playing down to the final table, and the final table itself playing down to a winner. And I think we know for sure there's going to be a seven-figure score for the winner, plus a place in the WCOOP Hall of Fame. All right, and uh, we've got a super fan lined up for next week already. Julian Lang is doing, opt otherwise known as Optimus Clang, uh, is doing general trivia. Great, looking forward to that. Julian's a great guy. I've met him a few times in person. Looking forward to chatting with him. And if you want to make the best of Discord, get involved. Comments, questions, super fan applications, all on our PokerStars Discord. Uh, you can find the link to that in the description of this show. That was a great show, James. This is a great EBT London recap. I'm excited. I agree, Joseph. All right. Well, that's all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Spell you later. Spell you later.